Great to have you here on this Friday. So, you know, if we are looking for solutions to address climate change now, then you got to wonder why those who are demanding we do all this action immediately ignore the one solution that is practical, affordable, available right now, and is clean energy that we've got an abundance of in this country. And I'm talking about nuclear energy, which would give us a path to net zero emissions much, much faster than phasing out fossil fuels, which will take decades for the world to get off of. Let's just be honest about it. We are not getting off of fossil fuels anytime soon, or we'll freeze to death. And at this COP26 um, gathering in Glasgow, a group of union chiefs from across the world push the conversation for world leaders to look at nuclear as an option instead of phasing it out as some European countries are. But unlike green energy, which is very expensive and unreliable, but they seem obsessed with, I find it puzzling while these policymakers, environmentalists, are so resistant to something that is clean, green, and available. Let me bring into the conversation Dr. Chris Kiefer. He's the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, and you are over at COP26, so I appreciate your time. That's right. It's, it's a pleasure speaking with you. And it's Canadians for nuclear energy. Oh, I, my apologies. What did I say? Affordable energy. Affordable. No. So it is that too. So <laughs> I'm, that's fine. I'm confusing you with Dan McTagg, but that's not to be a <laughs> nuclear energy. My apologies. So no why problem. is it, um, doctor, that countries and more specifically environmentalists are so resistant to this option? You know, I, I try and um, be compassionate and, and try and understand, uh, you know, their, their concerns. Um, I think this has to do, you know, the sort of founding doctrine of most environmentalists and green groups um, is, is being anti-nuclear. And some of that comes out of, you know, opposition to nuclear weapons testing. Um, but unfortunately, that's bled into their opinions about nuclear energy itself. Um, and that's a real tragedy because, you know, we see countries that, uh, you know, have greens uh, potentially being kingmakers in, in minority governments exerting a, a huge influence on energy policy. Um, Germany is a, a famous example. They're in a kind of a crash nuclear phase out. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Europe's in the midst of a mm -hmm. prolonged ex extreme weather event. And that is yep. that the wind's basically not blowing. Um, and so countries like Germany that have poured uh, half a trillion dollars into wind and solar are not getting much solar power right now. And they are burning coal. So the, the dominant form of energy on the uh, on the German grid is is coal right now. And that that is shocking. And it's incredibly hypocritical, uh, especially for a country that's, uh, you know, seeking to virtue signal and seems to have credibility from environmentalists on uh, on energy transition and decarbonization. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Gibault, who is also at uh, COP26, uh, was asked earlier this week about why we are not looking at this option. And, you know, he argues and he has long argued and fought against nuclear energy. But he says, you know, wind and solar are less expensive, which if you've lived in Ontario, that is just absolutely untrue. We have gone through this. We know it's, as you mentioned in Europe, not reliable um, and it's very expensive. And when you don't get the wind, uh, or the sun, you have to bring in the alternatives. And so we have nuclear energy in an abundance in this country. We're the second largest producer of this energy. Um, I, I don't understand why we would not turn to this, even if maybe for a short period of time, to transition. It's a job creator, but it would get mm -hmm. us and our emissions down if this is what the concern is about. Well, you know, it already has got our emissions down. And I think amidst all the doom and gloom, um, we have a lot to celebrate, particularly in Ontario, where we have mm -hmm. the, the majority of the candy reactors in our fleet. So we mm -hmm. are a deeply decarbonized grid in Ontario. We're the pride of Canada in that sense. You know, other, other provinces are blessed with plentiful hydroelectric electricity, like Quebec and Manitoba and BC. 
But for those provinces that don't have those abundant hydro resources, Ontario is the only one that is ultra low carbon. And we're the model for, say, Alberta and Saskatchewan. And, you know, this is an issue of a just transition. If we're really going to take good paying um, fossil fuel jobs away, we need to replace that with something that's more dignified than the intermittent jobs that intermittent energy sources provide. Um, you know, slapping solar panels up every 20 years is very different um, than the intergenerational, um, you know, high paying, largely union jobs available at nuclear plants. I was just up visiting uh, at a labor conference, actually, at, uh, at Bruce Power. We did a tour there with uh, about 40 of uh, Canada's top labor people. And it's an incredible experience, um, prosperous communities um, of, of tradespeople. It's, it's, it's really quite incredible. In, in regards to uh, Mr. Gilbo's statements about wind and solar being so cheap, um, I will concede wind and solar are cheap when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing. When they are not, those sources are infinitely expensive because no amount of money will buy them. We'll get them on right. the grid. And, and we see that around the world. Wherever there's high penetrations of renewables, be it Germany or California, uh, the price goes out of control. You know, what we saw in Ontario with our Green Energy Act, it was a, a, a giveaway to, to private interest. We, we privatized the profits and we socialized the costs of, of grid integration with these ridiculous 20-year uh, contracts. Right. Um, and it's, crim it's criminal, um, you know, and it, it's, uh, it's caused a lot of hardship in Ontario. And, and I'm very frustrated with that. So, you know, bottom line, we are a climate leader. We phased out coal using 90% of that energy was, was nuclear that replaced coal. Um, but our politicians are not talking about it. And, and to me, that's why I'm here as a Canadian and as a representative of Canadians for nuclear energy. Yeah, well, we'll let that uh, siren go by. But, you know, and, and, and to the point about renewables, I mean, they're not all that um, climate friendly. I mean, uh, you know, they, they're very, you know, there's a lot of deforestation for, for renewable creation. Um, you know, the blades break on these uh, windmills and they, they can't get rid of them. They landfill them, batteries and things like that go into landfills. So there, there are costs to renewables as well for those arguing that, you know, nuclear energy, um, you know, has its downsides. Uh, but, you know, the provincial government of Ontario and I think it's Saskatchewan, they've been talking about these small modular reactors um, as, a, as a clean option, energy, a clean energy option. I mean, these are the things I think the innovations we need to be looking at um, because, you know, if we don't start doing something now with this, my concern would be that they're just going to push nuclear right off the table as any kind of option. Absolutely. I mean, we can't forget that 76,000 Canadians are employed in our nuclear industry um, and that 96% of at least the can-do supply chain is made in Canada. So like there's high capital costs to getting nuclear built. Pension funds love nuclear because they're looking for a long-term return. You know, Bruce Power, which is a public-private partnership, is 50% owned by the municipal workers uh, pension fund. Um, so every dollar spent in nuclear stays in our country. And that's in sharp contrast to renewables. Um, right. You know, where most solar panels, polysilicon is, is made in China under, you know, yeah. I think there's very credible allegations of, of forced labor by the Uyghur mm -hmm. people that have essentially, you know, been locked down in a police state or even worse, you know, in prison. Um, so, you know, there, there's very strong arguments to make. I'm, I'm a little bit of a can-do traditionalist. I think this is a technology which is underrated. Most people don't mm -hmm. know that we produce just at Bruce Power, um, but also at Pickering Nuclear Station, um, enough cobalt-60 to sterilize 40% of the world's um, single-use medical instruments. And that's of huge yeah. interest to me as a healthcare professional. Sure. Um, there was enough cobalt-60 made to sterilize 20 billion pieces of PPE. So that's the, mm -hmm. if you ever had the misfortune of having a COVID swab or, you know, you've worn a mask or you've worn gloves, that's all thanks to Canadian and can-do nuclear. So, I mean, the scale of decarbonization is massive. 
Um, we need small reactors for sure, especially in, in smaller provinces, but we cannot abandon our can-do technology. Um, you know, right. it's, it's kind of like kind of like the Avro arrow, the way it's being abused mm -hmm. right now. Um, no one's talking about it. Mr. Trudeau at, at COP, when he was asked about nuclear, um, was incredibly lukewarm. You know, we kind of maybe sort of should keep all options on the table. He should have been bragging about the experience of Ontario right. accomplishing the greatest greenhouse gas reductions emission in North America with our coal phase out. Well, you know, between hydro and nuclear, Ontario could lead pretty much the world in clean energy, uh, but we just don't seem to want to take ownership of this. And so just before I let you go, Dr. Kiefer, how it, did the conversation then um, in your mind go? I mean, if, if Trudeau's blowing this kind of stuff off, is this going to be a conversation that catches on? Do you see that the provinces are just going to have to go alone on this? How do you see this conversation going forward? You know, it's incredibly concerning that uh, Mr. Gilbeau has become the environment and, and climate minister. As you mentioned, he's got a, a long track record of being an anti-nuclear uh, zealot or, or uh, mm -hmm. activist. Um, that's very troubling. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, Canadians for Nuclear Energy as a volunteer nonprofit organization, we can start to, to shift the, the, the language on this. I'm, I'm very heartened uh, to, to be on your radio show because it's incredibly difficult to talk about nuclear in the media. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting in the early days of uh, climate change um, discourse, media would always bring a climate change denier along with a climate change scientist. And we've realized that, you know, the deniers are um, not credible, right? Mm. With nuclear, almost every time, you know, uh, a mainstream or liberal outlet would, uh, would ever entertain speaking to us, they need to bring on someone from Greenpeace. And I think, you know, 10, 20 years from now, we're going to see those two things in a similar light. You know, I'm a, I'm a Canadian physician. I'm a father of a beautiful three-year-old. You know, I work at the Canadian Centre for Victims of Torture. Um, you know, I'm a humanitarian. Um, so I, I'm not some, you know, evil industry advocate. I'm here because I really care. I'm here on my own dollar. Um, and I'm here because I think nuclear makes sense for climate, um, for clean air, and really for the Canadian economy and Canadian workers. Yeah, well, I'll give you all the platform you want for that because I find it refreshing talking to someone about climate change who's not just credible but sane on the issue. So welcome anytime, uh, Dr. Kiefer. Uh, we'll continue the conversation and see where it takes us. But to me, it just uh, seems like a no-brainer. and I, I wish more people talked about it. So enjoy your time at COP26 and we'll talk again. That sounds very good. Happy to speak whenever you're available. That is Dr. Chris Kiefer, President of Canadians for Nuclear Energy. And this is a conversation we absolutely should be having. So we'll continue to have it. Coming up next, we'll talk about it with our talkers here on Point on Global News Radio.